WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the car doctor, here to help you with your car problems and, uh, I don't know, two weeks ago we had winter, it seemed like, temperature dropped, people were talking about turning their heat on, now people have their air conditioning on, they're complaining about it's hot and sticky out, weather is weird, and, um, you know, but it really, you know, talks about you really have to take care of your car to make sure it's going to get it through our wacky New England seasons here. Um, And if you're thinking about car shopping, you might be a little bit shocked about, you know, are there still inexpensive cars around? I got an email this week from somebody, um... They are saying what they might be buying could be their last car. They don't know. They haven't bought a car in about 10 or 12 years. Uh, They're looking to buy something brand new. They're looking to buy something under $24,000. It's getting harder and harder to be able to do that. And with us is our friend Kyle Brower from iccars.com, a fantastic place to do a bunch of car shopping. Kyle, good morning. And our and our sub twenty thousand dollars cars are they gone? Uh, they're pretty much gone on, and not just on the new market, but on the used market too. That's the really amazing and somewhat depressing thing is you just can't get a car for twenty grand really anymore. Not a, not a, any kind of recent car, uh, except except for that that what week long window or maybe hour long window you could buy a Maverick pickup truck, right? <laughs> yeah, if you can actually find one sitting on a, a lot and they're not asking over MSRP, uh, which would be two big ifs, then maybe you could, yeah. Maybe you could. I remember when that was first introduced and they said it was going to be, you know, like nineteen nine ninety five plus like delivery charges. And they're like, you yeah. know, we we kind of hope it sells and they couldn't make them fast enough afterwards. So it is, it is sort of interesting. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is um, has the has – the, um, charm kind of gone off of evs these days are evs sitting on the lot a little bit longer than they have been they're sitting on a lot a lot longer and they're um selling at much lower prices too so the there definitely has been a shift in the ev market over the past 12 months and we've watched prices dropping consistently on a year-over-year basis meaning when you compare say january to january of 22 and 23 they were down eight percent by June, they were down 30% this past June from a year earlier on the used car market. And it's about the same story. It's like between 15 and 20% on the new market. They're also sitting on dealer lots longer. They used to sit on lots. Average time was about 25 days to sell an EV. Now it's over 50 days. Uh, so, yeah, they're sitting longer and they're selling for lower prices, which pretty much reflects a, lot, a drop in consumer interest or demand. Do you think it's because, I mean, gas prices have gone up, so it's not like people have said, uh, you know, gas is too expensive, I'm going to try electric. Do you think it's just finally the kind of early adopters of battery electric vehicles kind of bought all they're going to buy, and that's about it? I think that's exactly what it is. And I think, you know, you always there's never like a, a on-off switch. There's a you know spectrum, a continuum of likeliness, likelihood to buy an electric car. And the Early adopters were very likely, and I think most of them have bought. Then you have kind of a next stage of people who might buy. And I think a lot of the might buyers have pulled back because of everything from 
inflation and interest rates, which have driven up the price of cars, as we know, and driven up the price of financing cars. And EVs are always more expensive than the equivalent gasoline car. So if you were thinking of spending $30,000 and you thought you might get an EV, and now you realize that you're going to have to take out a bigger loan on the EV than, than the same car that would cost you 24000 as a non-EV, and you have to pay more for financing that more expensive car, uh, that more expensive EV, and you're kind of worried. You're, you know, I mean, you've heard about friends getting laid off, seen headlines about things getting laid off, you're spending more on eggs and milk, and now you're about to try a brand new type of vehicle you've never driven before, an EV. And, you know, people get less uh, risk willing, you know, they get more risk averse when economies are looking shaky versus when they aren't. So all those things come together, I think, to work against EVs. Yeah, and I'm not a leasing, a fan of leasing, and maybe it's generational. I don't, you know, maybe because I'm old, I don't know. And But I think if, you know, when people ask me about an EV, I'll usually suggest leasing one because the technology is changing pretty fast, and you hate to go out and buy the latest, greatest EV and find out, oh, next year they come out with exactly the same car for a little bit less money, and it has 100 miles more range because they figured out how to get more energy inside the batteries, and all of a sudden your car isn't worth as much when when it's time to trade it back in. That's 100% true. We're definitely in that environment, and here's an example of what you're talking about, right? We've pretty much gotten uh, all the car companies to buy into the, I believe it's the North American Standard, it's called, or whatever, uh, for the plug. It's essentially the plug that Tesla uses. So, so we can call it we can call it VHS. <laughs> yeah, precisely yeah, VHS yeah, yeah. versus Beta. Yeah. Uh, but the bottom line is, now we know that that's the plug that every car will be using over the next like two years, which means. Every car that's been built right now or is even being built in the future and is going to be sold in the next few months without that plug is already obsolete. And if you're savvy enough to be seriously considering an EV, you might have already figured out, well, why would I go buy the Model XYZ or even the Model Model X? You could buy because that's the uh, Tesla that's already got it. But if you're buying some random EV that's not a Tesla, you have to know right now if you buy it, well, I'm going to have to be futzing around with an adapter within a couple of years because all the uh, charging stations and all the other newer cars are going to have this other system that Tesla already has. Yeah, I have a, um, I have, uh, I don't have home charging, but I have a charging cable. Uh, uh, the company was called Juice, the company called Juice Plus, and basically it plugs into anything on the wall. So it plugs into 240 volts or 110 or 110 at 20 amps. It's got a billion adapters that go with it. And I'm like, oh, this is going to work great until now they came out with this new thing. So now I need an adapter for the adapter kind of thing. And uh, it's just kind of, you know, and I don't know how it is out on the West Coast where you are, but it seems here on the East Coast, Kia and Hyundai don't include charging cables with their cars to convenience charge. Uh, I think that is true. I don't think yeah. that those are, are come with the cars like they do with a lot of vehicles. Yeah. So, so the first time I, I think the first time I drove a, uh, you know, evaluated a, a Kia, and you know, then I had to drive twenty five miles to the high speed charging station to recharge it, which I was like, oh, I'm never doing this again. This was a little annoying. So, yeah. So, you know, like you said, adapters and you know, ease of use sometimes with electric vehicles. You know, until you find your rhythm, I guess, I can kind of see why some of those electric vehicles are sitting on the lot. You guys at IC Cars do all kinds of reports and, and, and studies. 
even to the point where um, the cheapest place to buy cars, cheapest states yeah. to buy in, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we were looking at most and least expensive uh, places to buy cars, and um, you know, it turned out that uh, apparently Cleveland and Akron, Canton, that kind of metro area, usually these places are grouped into metro areas as opposed to a specific city, but they're considered close enough to be a metro area. Cleveland, Akron, and Canton have the cheapest uh, or lowest priced uh, used cars to buy right now. Uh, they're they're uh, 8.1% below or $2,769 below the national average. That's the least expensive. And the most expensive place to buy a used car right now is West Palm Beach, Florida, which is 9.9% above the national average or about $3,400 above the national average. So a friend of mine who just moved down there and, ha- and bought a car because he lived in Manhattan uh, just paid ex- just paid too much for it, right? Yeah, unless yeah. he stopped in in Canton on the way down <laughs> to pick up his car, which is you know it's funny, John Paul, because I've been saying this for years to people. You know, it's like look, it's clear that most people would expectantly look in their normal local metro area if they're going to buy another vehicle, new or used. And there's nothing wrong with starting out there, but we all have computers. We all have databases and, and access to national pricing on sites like icars.com where you can see dealer listings from across the country why would you not expand beyond your local area just to at least get a sense of whether you could save some money i'm in you know orange county south, south of la so i can look in a hundred mile range and pull in all of la and pretty much all of san diego county from where i am right now too and that's a hundred miles so it's still uh, an afternoon to go retrieve the car now, I find a car down in San Diego that's markedly cheaper than it is 100 miles north in Los Angeles. That's, an, that's a no-brainer. And you can get big swings. You can get big swings or you can get a couple thousand dollars off of a car. And even if you have to go and spend a, you know 300 bucks on a Southwest Airlines flight or less, hopefully, and pick the car up and come back and it takes you 24 hours, if you saved $2,400, that's 100 bucks an hour. That's not bad pay to go get a car that you're buying. So I always tell people, look around. Use your computer. It makes it silly easy to sit in your house and shop nationally and see where these cars are, are located that might be priced lower than your local area. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When I, when I uh, like a lot of people, do a lot of kind of, you know, daydreaming sometimes on the Internet, and I go to iccars.com, and I'll look for something. My, my wife years ago had a uh, Volkswagen Cabrio. She loved that car. We've replaced it with two different convertibles since then. She hasn't liked either of them that much. And uh, and every once in a while I look and I'm like, let's see if there's a good one somewhere. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I hit that, you know, you know, unlimited range. And, you know, then all of a sudden you see one that looks to be in pretty good shape, uh, you know, has low miles and, you know, came from a place where stuff doesn't rust. And you're like, hey, this maybe this is actually worth going to take a look at. And you're right. If you're able to take advantage of some lower airfare, and airfare just recently posted uh, prices have come down on some tickets, and I'm a cheap flyer, so I, I fly all the bargain stuff, Spirit and Allegiant and Frontier. And you know what? You might be able to jump on a last-minute uh, Allegiant flight or something, get to where you want to go for, you know, under 100 bucks, and like you said, yep. save save literally thousands on the price of a car, or buy something interesting that you always wanted. Right, right. I, believe it or not, picked up a 1988 Firebird Formula 350 for my daughter, because she fell in love with them as soon as she saw them and uh, and wanted one. And I found it in Iowa City, Iowa. 
So I used my Delta miles and flew to Minneapolis. That was the closest place. I got a rental car. I drove down and uh, made sure the car was fine and then drove the car back to uh, Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, $8,250 is what I paid for that car, and it was in extremely clean shape. And I just couldn't go wrong even with the time it took and energy to fly there and drive it back. Well, and, and on top of that, it becomes a little adventure, right? Right. Well, I love drive, I love fly and drive home stories. I've done that so many times with cars because to me that's exactly what you said. It's like to me this isn't a negative. This is a positive. You know, the fact that I searched out my car and I went and retrieved it and drove it home is, is a fun way to start the ownership experience to me. And and I you know to to badly quote a song, it's it's not about the destination. It's about the journey, right? Right. Right. Yeah. No. Well, I had a friend when I was growing up who gave me great advice. He says. Anything that makes a good story. If, if it's a good story, I'm in. So. There you go. Uh, two things that are uh, uh, not on the IC Cars website, uh, or maybe it is, and I missed it. Uh, are we starting to get through the semiconductor shortage? Are we starting to see a little bit more inventory coming onto dealer lots, both used and new? We absolutely are. Um, <clears throat> I would say that we're pretty much at normal production capacity now without really any hiccups. What's tricky is that we've got, you know, two to three years, depending on how you define it, where we didn't have normal new car production, and that built up a demand. And I always tell people it's like a dam. You know, you pull the, the lever and you don't let any water out, the dam builds up behind there. You can pull the lever at some point in the future and let the water go out, but the water behind the dam doesn't instantly go back to the quote-unquote normal level. It has to drain for a while. And that's where we are with new car production. We've gotten it back to normal, but we haven't had it back to normal for three years. We've had it back to normal for less than a year, six months, depending on how you look at it. So we've got a couple years to dig out. And then on the use side, same thing. We had restricted production for model years 20, 21, and 22, for sure. Well, now used cars, if you look at them as one- to five-year-old cars, that's how we define them traditionally at IC cars. Those 20 to 23 model years, 20 to 22 model years, they're right in the middle of the one- to five-year-old used car years right now, aren't they? So, yeah. again, we've got to wait till those things get moved through the picture. The other thing is this picture like a snake, you know, and he ate some giant, you know, rat. Well, the rat has to move through him, and there's this big bump that goes along as it moves through the snake. That's where we are, except maybe you want to call it an extra thin part of the snake, if that's what you want to consider our car supply. And it has to move through the next one to five years before we're done. And then we have a possible UAW strike coming up, right? Well, yeah, there you go. See, and so we think we're done with this new car restricted production process, and we're about to hit a strike on Thursday that's going to start it all over again, at least for the domestics. And what will be interesting, John Paul, is where will we have people who were thinking of a domestic and now they feel like I'm back to COVID times. I go to my Dodge dealer or my Ford dealer and there's nothing on on the lot. But there's plenty of Toyotas and Hondas across the street. There used to be nothing on any of the new car lots two years ago. Now there's Mm -hmm. only nothing on the domestic lots. I'll go buy a Honda or Toyota. I mean, I hope the UAW and the automakers are keeping this in mind because, you know, the only thing worse than, than... not having cars when you want to sell them is not having cars when you when, when you want to sell them and people want to buy, but others, competitors, having the cars because you lose market share and you lose buyers, and they may or may not come back in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one one last question. Did anyone go to the Detroit Auto Show? <laughs> 
It's coming up this, I think it's coming up, is it this week or next? I don't know. It's coming soon. I am not going. Not after yeah. last year's experience. So. Yeah. That's it. That, I, I'm, I'm sitting here and there's my, my lanyard is dangling off a doorknob and I'm, I'm like, I don't think I know anyone who's actually going. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, how the mighty have fallen, right, John? I, I, mean, I know. Oh, my gosh. I know, exactly. Well, uh, for more information, real easy, go to iccars.com. And uh, real quickly, uh, the VIN check. You, you guys have this, uh, this uh, other app that you can, you can do a little bit of research on the vehicle identification number, right? Yeah, we have a free VIN check lookup. You just come in, you put in your 17-digit uh, code. And we'll give you a, a whole lot of information about the car, its history, its pricing, current pricing, pricing trends for it. It's a pretty, uh, a pretty amazing deal for um, free. Yeah. Uh, Carl, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your Sunday morning. I know it's 8 o'clock out where you are. So I want to thank you for getting up a little bit early and maybe joining us on the Car Doctor program. Uh, it's always fun joining you, John Paul. You guys okay. have a great uh, rest of your day. All right, you as well. Take care. That was Kyle Brower from iccars.com. We need to take a break and pay some bills. My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join. Jeep Adventure Days are going on right now at Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Route 139 in Marshfield. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is one of the largest dealerships of its kind in New England, featuring an incredible inventory of brand new Jeep Wranglers, great customer service, and Quirk's Chrysler Certified Service Department. Quirk Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram is accessible from all across the South Shore, just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Quirk works to save you money. Quirk works with you. Visit QuirkChryslerDodgeJeepRam.com. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WAPD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program. Well, it's time to talk about the car that got me around. I guess a couple weeks ago now. I sort of skipped over it, I guess. Uh, it's the uh, Honda Accord Sport. And um, like all of Hondas now, when it has the word Sport in it, it means it's a hybrid. So the latest Honda Accord Sport is a hybrid that competes with the likes of, say, the Toyota Camry Hybrid or a Hyundai Sonata Hybrid. The Accord's powered by a turbocharged 2-liter gasoline engine and two electric motors that develop a combined horsepower of 252 and 273 foot-pounds of torque. Um, torque is the thing that pushes you back in the seat. Horsepower is what makes you move fast, but it's horsepower is something that happens at higher RPMs. Torque is the thing that when you step on the accelerator at the stop sign, that's what you feel. Um, it powers the front wheels through a improved continually variable transmission. This um, transmission to me, uh, I think they finally got it right. It feels right. It's just you know, it feels like it works the way it's supposed to. Um, 
and I think it's a really good match for this. Honda uses a two-motor hybrid system that can operate either as a series or parallel hybrid. Um, most of the time, the system operates as a series hybrid, so basically it's an electric propulsion motor that drives the wheels directly while the gasoline engine is connected to the electric motor sort of as a generator starter thing. So it's kind of the gas engine makes makes power to run the electric motor but then there's certain times it switches over to a hybrid where you have both the gasoline engine and the electric motor working together so there's times such as cruising at the highway the system switches to parallel hybrid it sometimes runs in just full electric mode there's a lot going on under the hood that honestly you don't even notice if it wasn't for the display screen telling you what was going on i don't think you'd even notice it just feels normal um the um and when you accelerate, when you decelerate, just like a lot of cars, it, it takes the energy from the braking system and helps recharge the battery. And this isn't a plug-in. This is just a conventional hybrid. Uh, steering and handling are also quite good. The larger 19-inch wheels and tires uh, offer not just a sporty look, but also give the Accord Sport a little bit of more road handling, uh, more kind of, you know, using the Sport in its name. Transmission also has a sport setting, which gives a bit of boost to performance. According to the EPA, the 2023 Accord Hybrid is good for 51 miles per gallon in the city, 48 on the highway during my time. Um, I averaged about 48 miles per gallon in a mix of mostly city driving. Uh, most uh, Honda products seem to have a little bit more road noise than the competition. It seems like they don't insulate quite the same. Uh, the latest Accord sounded quieter than any Accord that I've driven in the past few years. Uh, probably better do, uh, to better insulation, but also they use electronic noise canceling. So they actually make sound to drown out sound. Uh, and that's in quite a few vehicles today. Um, New vehicles today have advanced driver assistance systems. We see all kinds of technology, and Honda Sensing Suite has all of it. Uh, driver attention systems, you know, tells you if it's time to take a nap or not. Um, you know, automatic emergency braking, road departure correction, adaptive cruise control. Uh, we, I was talking with the folks from the AAA Engineering Group this week, and we were talking about automatic emergency braking, and they're going to be doing a bunch of tests out in California. They they wait. They try to wait till the triple digit temperature numbers have dropped down a little bit because they do it out on a racetrack and uh, they're going to do some of this automatic emergency braking at a little bit higher speeds this time. Uh, they actually have a, they call it their soft car, uh, which is sort of a foam car that can drive around and that's what they use to run into. Uh, the soft car is only good for about 50 miles an hour, so they can only test this so fast. Um, it also has auto high beams. The interior is comfortable, supportive seats. It's six feet tall. I found enough leg room, but taller drivers may feel a little bit cramped. If you're 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", you may find there's not quite enough leg room. The controls are straightforward, nicely laid out, with the exception of the radio, which does not have a physical tuner button. Um, I hate that. Um, I also appreciated the more traditional shifter. Rather than uh, push-button or rotary knob, the rear seat can comfortably fit two adults, three at least for shorter trips. Um, overall, visibility front and rear, uh, even with the new sportier profile of the Accord, is pretty good. Interior storage is also well thought out with a decent glove compartment, uh, center console, cup holders, other bins and cubbies. The hybrid batteries mounted under the rear seat, um, leaving a generous-sized trunk. I think it's about 17 cubic feet. Unfortunately, Honda chose to use a mobility kit, so a compressor and some sealer, 
rather than a temporary spare, which is sort of interesting because there was this big styrofoam thing that held this little air compressor, and I'm pretty sure a spare tire could fit in there. And why I know it's about weight, you know, they want to save weight. You save weight, you make more gas mileage, but I would trade a mile per gallon all day long to get a real spare tire. So, but not doesn't seem to be the case. The latest uh, Honda Accord Sport Hybrid is a wise choice. Buyers looking for a sedan. You know, not that many. Everybody's kind of in a you know, drive around. You know, everybody's in an SUV, but some people like sedans. And if you're looking for a sedan that's comfortable with very impressive fuel economy and a really good range, I think when the tank was topped off, it had over a 500-mile range. So, you know, in theory, if you were driving from here to Florida, which I've done four times now, I guess, um, you could do it with three stops, which would be pretty good. Um, something to do. Well, it's not quite the end of summer. That's still a while a way off. Um at least according to the calendar. And you shouldn't try to let the calendar rule your life anyway. You know, let the let the weather rule your life. And it's not the end of car show season. And uh, with us is uh, Greg Anderson. Uh, and Greg, uh, welcome to the Car Doctor program. But you got some, you got a couple of car shows uh, coming up in the very near future, right? We do. We do. We have two very large car shows, uh, both for good charities. And uh, that's what uh, the car hobby is all about, is helping others. It really is. And, and, you know, you kind of look at some of these things. I know here in the town that I'm in, there's a car show pretty much every Saturday night. And it could be to, you know, you know drop off food for the food pantry, you know, leave a donation. Uh, you know, and sometimes it's just, you know, donations to kind of you know, keep the hobby alive sometimes. You know, you, you kind of work it all together. So tell us about, you You have two shows coming up. Tell us about the first one. first one is on September 17th, which is a week from today. It's in uh, Waltham at a beautiful estate called Bore Place, uh, which is right off of Route 20 on the Watertown line. And we've got a whole array of um, cars that are coming, not just uh, and I don't mean that lightly. Um, the cars that you see at um, your everyday car show, but we've got um, TV and movie cars coming. Uh, uh, we've got uh, pre-war automobiles, uh, pre-1941, uh, which we uh, opened that up as a new category this year. And um, a, uh, a, a great um, last-minute uh, group, uh, the Yankee Wood uh, Club, which is the Woody Wagon Club. And, you know, they're, they're, you, you mentioned so many good things in there. You know, the, the, you know, the movie cars. You know, people love, people love to see those movie cars. And, and, and they have some sort of, some of them have some sort of sad stories. Like, you know, it could be some cool car that was in a, in a movie and they found it in the junkyard 20 years later and someone decided to restore it. Or they were recreations of some of those original cars, right? Right, right. And, um, uh, uh, along with those uh, movie cars, uh, we're going to have a special guest, uh, Tom Samanto, who uh, was the uh, builder of the General Lee and other cars from the Dukes of Hazard. 
Wow. Yeah. He's uh, Tom. Tom's coming to the show, um, and um, it's um, it's going to be a, a great show. And, and I understand. One, it, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt you. And I understand. Uh, uh, Ernie Bach sold his Batmobile to uh, uh, a. He, he recently sold it. I think he sold it to uh, um, a football player. Oh, I um, I did hear that, but I don't know which football player. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah it's uh it's uh, so you know the idea that again some of these some of these cars are, are pretty iconic and and i think the general lee car you know that, that show was so popular in that you know it wasn't on for that long i guess but that car mm-hmm. was so popular uh and there was so many clones of that car and and i know where they filmed that down in georgia i guess they had you know dozens of uh of similar-looking cars for all the all the crazy jumps and stuff they did because they wrecked a bunch of those. Exactly, exactly. And uh, t- Tom's book outlines uh, the uh, the building of of the General Lees and the police cars, Daisy Duke's car, um, a Jeep, and uh, uh, that event is uh, I, uh, I I misspoke. That event is on the twenty fourth of September at Gore Place, um, not the seventeenth. Okay. The, the other event um, that we're having is on the 17th in Auburn, Massachusetts, at High Octane Classics, which is the uh, largest uh, exotic and muscle car dealer in the Northeast. Uh, they're hosting a uh, event for uh, uh, disabled American veterans, and the car community is coming out to uh, support our vets. And that's that's always great to hear, and um, and I'm sure, like you said, it's one of the uh, you know it's the largest you know muscle car collector car you know sh- shop in the area. You're going to have some of uh, you're going to have some of the cars that are for sale uh, kind of on display as well. Oh yeah, definitely. We have 32,000 square feet of showroom and workspace, and we are um, we we give tours of the facility. Uh, we show people uh you know the work um being done on the different cars and uh obviously our showrooms open uh, uh at the same time so people people get to uh look at uh you know look at the cars that show up for the show that help support the veterans but also at the same time they can look at some stuff that you know maybe there's some uh, car that they always dreamed of uh i know i just uh, just quickly looked at the uh, web page and uh you know for for people looking for say you know especially if they're at a certain age where they always dreamed about a certain car when they were a teenager you know all of a sudden now you have uh i i, I think there's uh, three or four 69 camaros that you have for sale yeah, we uh, we um, deal with a lot of um, people looking for Camaros, uh, uh, Chevelles, uh, particularly '69 through '71 Chevelles, and uh, Grand Nationals uh, from the '80s. And, and that and and, th- and those and those were pretty interesting cars because you you know they were almost you know people you know people open the hood and even though there was a. a pretty good sized turbocharger it was still at the end of the day it was still a v6 and people kind of went oh it's a v6 and then they realized how fast they were and they were very fast they still are yeah uh, no absolutely so one more time give us the dates uh where we can uh when when these events are going to be and is there some place else where we, we can find out more information about it do they have a facebook page or a web page or something for either or, either of them 
Uh, yes, um, highoctaneclassics.com, uh, and you can call 508-641-9888 and um, be, uh, for the um, car show in uh, Auburn, and uh, which is for the vets, and um, motorhead, uh, motorhead.net for uh, the Motorhead Car Show. Well, that that's that sounds interesting, and I think you know one of the, one of the things that I've always wanted to see people do is you know if you have you know kids and grandkids, bring them to a car show, let them get interested in in you know what's you know what's going on. Uh, you might you might find that you know your kids or your grandkids or whatever the case it is have a real interest in. Uh, some of these, some of these vehicles, and maybe, maybe they want to, maybe they want to be able to, you know, join you. And uh, you know, I was talking to somebody just in the past couple of weeks that they're spending time with their daughter doing a restoration on a car, and they said, you know, my daughter and I kind of, you know, didn't really get along that well. I, they got along, but they said they never had anything they could do in common, and. Uh, they ended up uh, they ended up buying a jeep and they're sort of doing not heavy restoration but they're doing stuff that just makes you know makes some time together to put on some accessories and do some stuff and uh, and they said it, it really helps so this is one of these things that you can really look at you know bring bring people to the show with you you know it's going to be for charity so that's even that's even better and uh, you know enjoy enjoy the time we we find a lot of uh, father and son, father and daughter projects um, for people, uh, and uh, uh, you know that we 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 get a lot of people coming into the showroom. Um, you know, kids had never seen a uh, Lamborghini Countach or a Ford GT, and uh, they get to you know see those cars there, and we get to tell them about them. Yeah, I think I think it's really I think it's really good and it's 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 fun to do and um, it, it's uh, I I just had actually it's motorheadscarclub.net so motorheads motorheadscarclub.net and it explains everything about the uh, the the classic car show that's going to be at Gore Place I've never been to Gore Place so that sounds like an interesting place place to see it sounds it's uh, you know, and it's just something that uh, you know is going to uh, you know benefit the community as well. So it looks like it looks like there'll be it looks like there'll be a fun time. And you know, based on some of the pictures I saw from last year's show, uh, mm-hmm. there, was some, there was some great stuff that showed up there. The the interesting thing uh, about Score Place that's automotive related is um, it was the home uh, in the in the early 1920s and late to uh, Charles Metz, who um, produced the Metz automobile. Oh, okay. So it, was the, it was actually the uh, factory showroom and uh, um, offices, and his home, um, and, the, and the factory was across the street from the home. Well, it, it's sort of interesting how Massachusetts, uh, you know, so many so many things were built in Massachusetts back in back in the old days. Some of the the different vehicles that were built there, and and you know, and you know, whether it's you know, 
you know, Henry Ford almost built Greenfield Village out in Sudbury at the Wayside Inn, and you know whether it's you know whether it's Rolls Royces that were built in Springfield, or you know some of these car companies that sort of started in the area and continued, um, and you know the factories we had, you know everything from building Edsels to Oldsmobiles. Yes, Charles Metz um, built everything from bicycles to uh, automobiles uh, and and, um, uh, and motorcycles. Uh, he, he he started in Waltham building motorcycles. Uh, he was the first person to uh, take a bicycle and put a motor on it, and um, and he grew that into a company uh, in Brockton called Marsh Mets. He teamed up with the uh, Marsh Brothers, um, and um, they created a uh, a, ve- a very uh, popular uh, motorcycle. Wow. Well, so we all learned a little something. Hey, Greg, I want to thank you for taking a little time out. And uh, I, I'm, you know, it's, like I said, it's car show season. It's a it's a good time to do this. And you know, anything that relates to the old car car hobby, you know, you have the phone number. Call in whenever you want. Great. And uh, uh, so September seventeenth in Auburn at High Octane, one forty one Washington Street. And September 24th in Waltham at Gore Place. Um, and uh, we hope to see uh, a large crowd out at both shows to support yeah. the causes. Yeah, and you know, go to both go to both websites to check out information about it. Whether it's High Octane's website, you can see some of the cars that are there for sale, beautiful looking cars that are there for sale, as well as the Motorheads Car Club dot net website where you can see some photos of last year's show. You'll see some of the amazing cars that showed up there, and you can get more information about the uh, 2023 car show. Again, Greg, thanks for t- thanks for taking a little time and joining us. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, okay, okay, take care. Bye bye. So uh, it, it's it's still car show season, and uh, and it's one of those things that you know we I kind of I you know I I don't have any room for a car I don't have any you know I, I love to be able to own collector cars but the idea of having a collector car of something you can own and enjoy is always great. I've owned a couple of old and weird cars in the past, uh, but the idea of being able to own them, not really in the cards right now, but on the other hand, I am able to still go and enjoy them with people uh, who like to enjoy these cars. So you get to learn a lot, you get to find out a lot of things, and it's, it's always fun at the same time. Why don't we take another break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. Maybe you have a car show going on, and you can give us a call at 781-837-4900 and talk to you about your car show. Maybe you have car problems. We have a bunch of stuff in the mailbag to talk about, uh, questions that came in this week. Uh, we'll talk about those as well. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. Let's get real. Unlock your potential with an Abington Bank Get Real checking account. When you're always on the go, you need a bank that doesn't hold you back. Well, can you say no fees? That means no monthly account fees, free mobile banking, and free online bill pay. Plus, you can get a cash bonus when you sign up. Visit your local branch or abingtonbank.com to open an account today. Free yourself from fees with a Get Real checking account at Abington Bank. Unlock your potential. Member FDIC. 
AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. I'm Ashley Jordan. Tune in to Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase Radio on Facebook and visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tomorrow night from 7 to 9 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. Well, um, somebody asked me the other day, where can I where can I read your question and answer columns? Well, we've expanded a little bit. Uh, for the last four or five weeks, we've been in the Hartford Current. So if you're listening online in the Connecticut area and you pick up the current, I think it's on Sunday. I got a Google alert that was posted yesterday, but that doesn't always mean anything. I get a Google alert that uh, my column in the Providence Journal, which runs on Sundays, gets posted online on Fridays. I suspect it has something to do with when people work the website work. I don't know. So um, also, if you're listening, if, you, if you're one of the few listeners we have, we have a few, that listen to New York Newsday on uh, Friday uh, in print or the digital version, uh, our friend Bob Bosworth at the Quincy Sun runs my column about once a month out in sort of the Auburn-ish area uh, where we're talking about the Auburn Car Show. Uh, there is um, there is a, a great little weekly called the Yankee Express and the Blackstone Valley Express. Um, they run my columns uh, every time they publish their papers, and I think they do five editions a month. So they run the columns there, boston.com and the Boston Globe Online. Post it pretty randomly during the week. Uh, sometimes it posts on Friday. Sometimes it'll post one on one Monday and another one on Wednesday. You never really know, but you know, go to Boston Boston dot com or the Boston Globe and click on the auto section, and you'll find my columns there. Uh, so a lot of these columns sort of generate the questions, as well as people who listen to the radio show that decide they're going to send me an email, and you can do that at jpaul at aaanortheast.com, and we can answer your questions there too. But right now, let's talk to Tom from Weymouth. Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning, John. John, now that uh, going into seasons change, so the fuel that will be coming in for the winter, what is the difference in the summer fuel? What, what's different about the fuel? Uh, summer fuel doesn't is designed not to evaporate as quickly. So remember in the old days you'd see a car parked in the sun and you'd see like fumes coming off of it? Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the gasoline that's made for summertime doesn't... Um, doesn't evaporate the same way and winter fuel is actually designed to light off at a lower temperature so one of the things that can kind of happen and winter fuel has less energy in it so that's why in the winter time it's not just the cold weather and the warm-up that um 
that affects your fuel economy is the it's the fuel just doesn't have the same amount of energy in it and because that lower energy lets it start easier in cold weather but one of the weird things that sometimes happens is we'll have cold weather fuel which which we start to get into the tank sometime in the next month or month and a half or so and it'll be all good until we have one of those weird Februaries that maybe all of a sudden it's 70 degrees for one day in February and people's cars and people's cars don't start no like what happened to my car why isn't it starting or start starts really hard because the car doesn't like that fuel the same thing can happen is if you you know got gas for your lawnmower over the course of the summer and you you know you have a you know two three five gallon gas can and you're like oh this is good there's plenty of gas for my snowblower and you put that summer gas in your snowblower on a five degree day and you know you you pull your arm off trying to get the snowblower started because it's summer Mm -hmm. gas and it doesn't want to start in lower temperatures Right. Is any one of those fuels better for, like, storage? Like, is it better to get some summer fuel now if I'm not going to use my lawnmower anymore? I wait till it put, you know what I'm just saying, other than the other things we do for it? No, not really. Not really. It's, you know, gas gets stale, and using a product mm. like Stabil or something, uh, yeah. you know, will help. Uh, but, you know, try to let, you know, for your for your lawn equipment, try to let your fuel kind of or try to let the weather dictate your fuel i guess so i i didn't believe it would really happen and i had some treated summertime fuel i think i got it in september or so and we had we had a, a a halloween snowstorm you know, probably 10 years ago or something. And I went to go start my snowblower. I thought I was going to have to get, like, rotator cuff surgery afterwards. You know, I, I pulled the rope so many times to get it going. And finally, when, yeah. the, engine, when the engine sort of got hot, it started up and it, and it, and it, it ran okay. But it was, it was one of those things that was hard starting. And I, and I ended up draining the fuel, got a fresh, you know, fresh gas can of fuel, and that's, that solved it. The other thing you can do, and it's expensive, is you can get that um, non-ethanol fuel, which is sort of a which which will give you that sort of a mix of um, you know, mm. the the right chemistry, and that will allow for easy starting. I don't know. I the cheap side of me has a real hard time paying like ten dollars a quart for gasoline. Yeah, that was my question. Actually, I was going to ask you about ethanol. So in Massachusetts, we have to have it. Is that correct? Right. Right. A lot of states, okay. yeah. But somebody was talking to me, and they said, you know, I was up to Maine and for you know a week or so, and I got gas, and it seems like I got better mileage out of my vehicle up there, where it's a non-ethanol mandate. Which one would give you better fuel mileage? One with well, ethanol or not? Well, actually, 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 the one, actually, ethanol, ethanol has more energy in it, but it has more energy in it when you can stuff more air into it. So what happens is ethanol, you know, race cars run ethanol because they can jam a whole bunch of air in with a turbocharger or supercharger to get more power. The downside is they get less mileage. And the same thing happens when you add ethanol to fuel. So right now we have, you know, 10% ethanol mixed with our gas, up to 10%. And we've had that for a long time. And when you go up way up to northern Maine, they don't have 
ethanol in their gas, or they didn't used to at least. Um, but like in Portland, you, it's kind of the same gas we have. Um, but you may notice a little bit of a reduction in fuel economy when you use the um, ethanol, ethanol gas versus non-ethanol. And then if you have a car, and most cars should run okay with it, but if you have a car that um, is okay to use 15% ethanol and you happen to see some place that has e, um, E15, which means 15% yeah. ethanol, you'll say, oh, look, I can save 10 cents a gallon, but you might use more gallons. Um, and the same th- same thing if it's a car that um, is a true flex fuel car that can run eighty five percent ethanol, you might say, "Oh, I can run this stuff. Uh, uh, this stuff is cheaper." And uh, but my gas mileage is I lost three miles a gallon, and that's kind of ethanol. Uh, there's a company down in I think they're in the Carolinas called Sheets S H E E T Z. Um, mm. They're big. They're big like uh, you know like racetrack or you know one of those big you know, gas island things that, you know, they have, you know, you can buy pizza and a sandwich and get gas. And oh, they yeah. and they they actually sell a 15% ethanol, and they were reducing their prices uh, and, you know, sort of like, you know, we'll, we'll save you some money, you know, come and buy our, our E15, but the downside of it is you lost fuel economy because of it. So it's kind of a weird trade-off. I personally think we should have additives and gas to keep the air as clean as possible. The problem mm-hmm. is ethanol is mostly made from corn, and I like right. I, I like to eat corn. I'd yeah. rather I'd rather we made ethanol out of garbage or plastic or something Somewhere other than yeah, yeah something something that we're not going to eat. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but that, but you know, the farmers can make money selling corn to ethanol producers, so I guess it's good for yeah. them. But nice. but but I'd I'd, ra- I'd rather have corn. But that's John, you have a great memory of recall to this stuff because I've heard you explain this before. In my mind, I, I lose it. I get it. You know, I've heard you. You know, before a couple yeah. of years ago. I don't have the comprehension. You amaze me. But well, anyway, uh, my wife doesn't think I can remember anything. So you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. All right. Thank you. All right. Good enough, Tom. All right. Take okay. care. Bye bye. And you know what? Apparently, our listeners are only named Tom. So Tom. That's it. Only That's Tom's. it. That's only Tom's today. Yeah. 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 And, uh, happy anniversary. Oh, for which one this time? Which anniversary? Well, the wife, the wife, and the uh, one year at WATD. Well, uh, the the wedding anniversary is not till December, so you know I, I do actually remember that date, but yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. guess that thing yeah. on Facebook was just uh, you and your wife way way back when. Oh, uh, who 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 knows? Who knows? You know, Facebook is Facebook is a a puzzle inside another puzzle to me. So yeah, that's yeah. why you call it fake Facebook. Yeah, sometimes yeah. Yep. I had a question about a new Subaru I got. Uh, the adaptive cruise control. Uh huh. Is there a way to calibrate that? Uh, just a, for instance, uh, I'll set it on adaptive cruise control and like four cars ahead, you know, so yep. it's supposed to slow down. But it comes ramming down on the car in front of me. Then it starts yelling at me, you know, beep, 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 beep. And uh, it finally hits the brakes. I'm like, that's supposed to be your job, you know. <laughs> well, it's, it's supposed to be, but... Um the Subaru, the Subaru Eyesight system 
is is a pretty good system. But I got to tell you, of all when I when I have a car with some of this advanced cruise control, and especially if you're somebody who you know pays attention to traffic a little bit, and all of a sudden you get you get behind you know a couple of cars, and all of a sudden their speed drops to you know. 45 or 50 and you're out on the highway normally you you know turn your turn signal on change lanes go the speed limit and get around them and if you're sort of daydreaming a little bit all of a sudden now you kind of look down you're going 45 because everybody else is going 45 and then you decide either you're going to do something or the car in front of you slows down more and then your car decides to stop and my wife usually just says to me will you just please shut that off so you know, and go and go back to just driving because it can. You know, some of these systems work really well. Um, you know, the one in the you know Cadillac, you know, kind of sees three cars in front of the car in front of you, so it has a better comprehension about what's going on. Um, you know, the Subaru one where you can set it for how close the following distance you want. Um, I found that when I drive a Subaru. I kind of pick the middle, even though I think it's following a little bit too close, but that seems to be the one that works the best. Um, if I put yeah. it on the furthest one out, it seems like it gets lazy and confused, and if I put it on the close one, I feel like I'm way too close to the car in front of me. So I kind of pick the middle, but if I use this sort of old-fashioned rule of you should leave always leave three seconds of following distance between you and the car in front of you. So, in other words, if car in front of you goes by a you know, shadow in the road, it should take you three seconds to get to that same spot. Um, you know, when I set it on sort of that middle setting, it's probably closer to a second and a half or two seconds, which in my traffic safety mind isn't enough distance between me and the car in front of me. So, you know, all of this stuff is is good until it isn't. And, you know, on a pretty open highway road, you know, if you're, you know, if you're traveling the Mass Pike on a quiet day, you know, smart cruise control like that works really good. But if you know you're trying to use it on, you know, you know, on ninety three, it's awful. It just it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and, and you know it doesn't replace, you know, it doesn't replace Tom the driver. It replaces yep. some some stuff, but it doesn't replace you as a good driver because you're the one that's got to be in control. Yeah, and if you set it out too far, you get cut off all day long. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, the, uh, the people, the people that designed that had never driven in Boston or Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah. It makes people mad too because you know the brake lights come on. You're on a thirty mile an hour road or whatever. Right. It keeps right. breaking. And yeah, and, and the <laughs> other the other thing that happens uh, is that. Um, you know, you'll you'll set it for maybe, you know, we'll say the equivalent of, you know, 10 car lengths or whatever whatever the, whatever the system is that they use. And you know it's watching the speed of the car in front of you. So, you know, if the car in front of you is going 55 and you're going 55 and you get somebody tailgating you because they don't think you're going fast enough because you're not tailgating the guy in front of you. When in yeah. fact you're going at exactly the same speed as them, and you never know, and then all of a sudden they go around you, they pull in in front of you, and then they realize, oh yeah, that car's going the same speed, but you weren't tailgating them because you were trying to be a safe driver. Yeah, yeah, there should be a sign in the back, you know, autonomous driving or something. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, maybe, maybe, and and you know, it's funny you mention it because there is some. Um, 
just recently, Hyundai and Kia both have those systems in, uh, I think it's in their electric cars. And what they do is when the car slows down quickly, there's there's software that turns the brake lights on. And what they found out is it wasn't doing it quite fast enough, and the brake lights were literally slamming on at the last minute. So they had to go in and do a software fix to make it so when the smart cruise control slowed the car down, it would flip the brake lights on. So, yeah, you know, some of yeah. them flash real quick too yep 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 yeah yeah so you know in in as much as i drive new cars with all the new safety features you know sometimes i kind of like my car that is that was the base model and had pretty pretty basic features in it because it it just lets me drive yeah yeah and put we did uh, an experiment one time i threw a big ball in front of the car Yep. You know, at a low speed, and it didn't even hit the brakes like it's supposed to. I have the auto braking. Yep. It, it did not. It was a huge ball, you know, like a beach giant yep. ball. Yep. And my yep. daughter rolled it in front of the car. I was uh, maybe I wasn't going fast enough. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, way. yeah, because it, it it has to be a little bit faster than that because that's one of the things we do with this soft car test we do when we we have a pedestrian that looks a little like. Uh, uh, looks like a cartoon character, but same idea. I did it. I did it with a trash barrel. I put a plastic yep. trash barrel kind of in the parking lot at work one day, and you know, tried to drive into it to see what would happen. And the first time I, first time it did nothing. It hit the trash barrel. So I put two trash wow. barrels. I put two trash barrels out side by side, and then it stopped. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. my, dear, uh, my yeah. daughter had a deer uh, slam into the front of her car. It didn't break or anything. Yeah. Hey Tom, we got to get going. That music means that I ran out of time for today. So, but thanks All for right, calling thank in. You. All right, take care. Hey, that music means uh, we need to take a break and pay and not pay any more bills. Let you know we got to leave. So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Thanks everyone. Talk to you next week. Bye bye.